Okay, we're live and recording. This is the first episode of what I think we're going to call The Balance. So Logan Webster is here from Camo Retro. Uh, Logan, I've gotten to know over the past couple of years just through the industry and Camo Retro obviously was a sponsor of the Midwest Flyways podcast last year. Um, so you guys may be familiar and hopefully you are with what he does. But Logan, thanks for being here, man. Absolutely. This is a little bit of a trial run. I know you know that, uh, but this is the first one that we've recorded. Yeah. So what I want to do with this podcast, man, is I want to give people a little bit more insight and like kind of a look into the lives of the people that are kind of in the waterfall industry and sort of like the behind the scenes of their business and how it got you know to where it is or what their plan is with it. Because um, I think the more and more I hear these different stories, it's so interesting so talking to guys that have started different companies in the waterfowl industry, um, or even just like the hunting industry in general, it's always such a, I feel like it's born out of passion for people like every time. Mm-hmm. And so I just want to hear more about some of that passion from these different people. Yeah. So we're going to start with you today, man. I appreciate it. <laughs> yeah. Feeling uh, very centered and balanced, uh, immersed in game fair and the Minnesota way. Yeah. Yeah, you got up here, what, five, six days ago now? Uh, what day is it? It's Wednesday. Wednesday. <laughs> yeah. uh, six days. Thursday, six well, days. That's, that's the first thing, you know, talking about entrepreneurship in the outdoor. In- well, just entrepreneurship, period. You uh, you forget what day it is. I have a clock on my uh, wall that instead of the times, it's the days. So, oh, yeah. <laughs> so it's the, the seven days of the week just split up on a clock and the clock shows what day it is that's but, so good no i'm serious yeah if you get into like running your own business uh the calendar becomes a big big blur for sure man yeah you definitely haven't known what day it is for a while i can tell um no man i want to hear a little bit more like tell me tell me a little bit more about your journey to starting camel retro because yeah. obviously you where'd you go to college university of arkansas whooping <laughs> all right okay so you went there and what'd you go to school for uh, advertising, public relations, journalism, and geology. Holy shit, though. Yeah. Like, what, what was your degree in? So, uh, it would be the advertising, public relations uh, focus in the journalism school. And then a minor in geology. I wanted to work for, like, uh, energy companies, uh, especially looking at, like, new energy. Yeah. Um, which a lot of people don't realize that fossil fuel companies quote unquote own most new energy concepts for Uh, sure but that was i graduated from u of a in 2014 15 okay and that's when the energy sector collapsed uh or had a had a slump so they weren't hiring for (laughs) comms people at the time for sure okay so which by the way how old are you if you don't let me i turned 30 last month okay cool 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 yeah, I'm 32 now. Just turned 30 in June. Yeah. So we're fucking old now. Yeah. Um, all right, man. So like, so you get out of college and you get a job where? Tyson Foods. Tyson. So yeah. like Tyson Chicken, like Tyson. what everybody knows. Yep. Yep. I grew up on a, I, I, I grew up on a Tyson contract poultry farm, actually. Really? Oh, yeah. Uh, we do. Yeah, we chicken grew up on the chicken farm, but, uh, you know, I left the small town in the chicken farm and. Like most said, well, leaving this and never looking back. And then, you know, there I am uh, putting on the clown makeup, coming out of college, <laughs> going straight to work for Tyson. Hell yeah. <laughs> uh, 
but I was, yeah, I was at Tyson for five years, uh, had some prior experience. So, you know, uh, and I'll, I'll say this for anybody that's going through, uh, you know, a trade school or college or anything, uh, those professional experiences you can get in the meantime are the biggest asset you'll have at a very unique college experience, but I didn't pass up the opportunity to work for or with someone. Um, especially if I admired their work and, uh, in the communications, communications track, you know, I, uh, I worked for the Razorbacks, uh, Arkansas Razorbacks as a media contractor and communications assistant. Um, never said no to an opportunity. What did that job entail? Like what was, what was that? Uh, helping document all 19 sports in the Razorback fiefdom of, uh, the sec yeah like photographs video like for like anything mainly still photography okay um but traveled the country chasing the razorbacks and uh ended up picking up some work for the sec and the ncaa as well just through you know you're already on the ground somewhere shooting a tournament and it's not and for some sports it's not that hard to just photograph more schools while you're doing it so you could kind of double dip that was the beauty of being a contractor too i wasn't working directly for the razorbacks Okay. They just contracted you out a lot. Yeah. And you were going to school there at that time? I was going to school there too. So doing that job, did you have like prior camera experience or like what was the whole thing with that? Yeah. So I, um, in high school was, you know, an athlete and I had a knee injury that kind of scared me. And I I remember the football coach uh, saying, you've got to make a decision what's important to you. And here I am coming off of an injury. And I was like, well, I mean, I kind of want to be able to walk in the future. So yeah. I, uh, I took a step back from football, which in a small town in Southwest Arkansas is basically the scarlet letter. Sure. And, sure. Uh, <laughs> You're no, a piece I, of shit. You yeah, fucking asshole. Yeah. Uh, how dare you let everybody down? Uh, God. but, uh, what position did you play though? Guess. I bet you were a linebacker. no, Offense or defense? I should have asked that first. Both, both. Small school. Okay. Yeah. Tight end and defensive end. Okay. Yeah. I got I got pretty scrappy. I was I was I got I was real tall, real young. Like I've been okay, this, I've been it. this height since I was like seventh grade. Yeah. Um. Yeah. But um. Anyways, took a step back from football. But yeah. all my friends played football. My friends played other sports that I'd never played before. So um, I picked up my mom's canon rebel dslr hell yeah like a went, t3i oh man this was like eos eos here yeah, we go. like the, right. i think it was the eos one maybe okay it was six. <laughs> but um hey i mean i but i learned real quick it doesn't matter what camera you're using as long as you know how to manipulate the light and the shutter and all that so you know trial by fire and especially being at a rural school i um picked up the latest version of Photoshop, which in oh, rural public education, Arkansas was like, I didn't, and I didn't learn this until I got into college. We were like 10 years behind on the Photoshop. Hell yeah. <laughs> so I was working with CS, I think it was CS2 and this was 2009. So I think like CS6 was like the latest CS6 or oh seven was God, the latest at the time. Yeah. But I didn't find that out until I went to college. And then it's like, oh, here's CS10. And I'm like, 
what? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> so know. cool. So cool. Like, not even the same program anymore. <laughs> no, not even. No, yeah, like you went from operating art. system and everything, just totally up. But, uh, you know, trial by fire. So I mainly taught myself with the camera. Um, I, I say that uh, when I got into college and I went on to work for my local newspaper there in Nashville, Arkansas, and um, photographed mainly sports, did some editorial work as well. When I got to college, though, um, I secure. I, I worked for New Student Media. Jumped in um, with the student paper, yearbook, you name it, and uh, went on to work for the athletic department and then the chancellor's office. I had two bosses um, on the academic side and the athletic side. Athletic side was Walt Beasley, uh, academic side, and Walt has a lifetime of shooting action shots and sports photography and stuff uh russell a lifetime of experience with portrait photography and really high touch with his lighting um in the studio setting and i learned so much from those guys yeah for sure just mentors oh absolutely and yeah to this day some of the closest friends i'll ever have so um, cool yeah and then went on to work for the u.s senate for two summers really on the hill yeah that's crazy in DC, suit and tie holy yep. shit um doing what I was just an intern with the okay. office there, but I yeah. ended up with my background. I ended up doing more of the press shop side of things and then was kind of at the end of it all ended up being more of a handler for um, the Senator that I was working. Wow. With. That's insane. So like just making like, and as, and I did a little bit of the handler stuff for the chancellor at the university that I worked at as well. So that's just, you know, photographing obviously. And then also like when people give him, give them gifts to like, you know, as a token of appreciation or whatever, basically take it, catalog it and, you know, just carry stuff for them. And sure. anytime they need to like move on to the next conversation, you learn how to like intercept the conversation. The key with, uh, uh, chancellor Gerhardt was always here. Let's get, um, my assistant here, Logan to take our photo real quick. And, so I would take the photo and then kind of intercept the conversation and be like, Hey, I just wanted to uh, get your information so I could email you a copy of this photo. And that gave Chancellor Gerhardt the chance to move on to the next conversation. Yeah, for sure. Because when you've got a room of, you know, 150 people that each want to talk to you, that, that can take up a lot of time. Yeah, that's crazy, man. But, uh, okay. So you did yeah. that. Yeah, I know. We're going down the rabbit hole. No, it's good, <laughs> yeah. man. Um, all right. So. You did all that stuff. You get this job at Tyson. And what uh, were you doing at Tyson? Tyson, I was working uh, for the social media team at the time. Tyson has a social media team. They did. <laughs> okay. I don't think they do anymore, but they did when I started there. <laughs> all right. And um, uh, so I basically was just handling day-to-day operations of social media. And then fast forward to five years later and there was no social media team anymore. Well, there was, but it was a team of one. Just you? Just me, yeah. Yeah. Uh, And at that point, it had turned into more of a digital strategy role. So we had started uh, outsourcing a lot of the day-to-day stuff to agencies. Yeah, yeah. That kind of stuff. But it was, I I really enjoyed the digital strategy part of it. And I I will say that a lot of that translated to uh, Camo Retro. Yeah. Um, Because I did get to take a step back and look at the larger picture. And also... uh, look at what conversion looked like sure, from a viewer sure. standpoint and also yeah. from a a monies or a dollar standpoint, you know, what makes the most sense. 
um, especially from a paid advertisement versus organic growth kind of measure. Yeah, that totally makes sense. Um, were you ever like the Tyson chicken guy that like, would you ever get into like battles on Twitter with like other chicken companies or anything? <laughs> like, I feel like that was, that would be, that's like my first thought. Like, yeah. If I'm like the Tyson chicken social media guy, I'm calling out for sure like a couple of these fucking chicken companies right uh, i'm not gonna dive too deep into my dealings <laughs> at uh tyson to be honest but um it was uh there were good days and bad days i mean yeah. I, i'll say i'll put it this way um if you want job security go work in public relations for an agriculture business yeah okay <laughs> Okay. Yeah. Now I'm seeing what you're putting down <laughs> yeah. for sure. Yeah. Um, that's a crazy deal. Definitely. All right. So like, <laughs> I don't want, I know you said you don't want to talk too much about Tyson, but like you're at Tyson and you, are you obsessed with vintage camo or like what, how did this happen for you? So, you know, I, I grew up hunting. You've never heard this story before. All right. That's a joke. <laughs> For sure. Um, it's a good start. I get, uh, I do, you know, work in these trade shows and stuff like I'm doing here at Game Fair. I, I do have, on occasion, somebody come in and go, well, these are all the patterns that I grew up with. How do you know about them? Somebody who's, like, obviously older, my senior. Yeah. And they're looking at me, obviously, they're junior. And they're like, you know, this isn't your, this isn't your era of, uh, camouflage yeah yeah what are you doing with it and um you know the the answer is not too complicated i grew up with it too my dad's never thrown anything away in his life so you know walking into his uh closet you just see kind of an archive of these different brands and uh more specifically camo patterns throughout the years and uh, he's got camo patterns that to this day i haven't seen through my shop or anywhere else while looking around. Yeah. Uh, some of those I need to dig out, but, um, yeah, I grew up with them. I mean, I remember as a kid wearing my dad's coveralls and every year just the legs and sleeves get rolled down a little bit further, you know, for sure. And, uh, so cool. So I've, I've always been around them. Um, and what was your dad's like preferred camo choice? Just like whatever he had. Well, or was there like he really loved something? Oh, it's it's really funny too going through my dad's old uh 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 photo albums and stuff with his dad's a my dad's a prolific deer hunter and uh, yeah. going through some of his old photo albums which I've done more in recent years um but uh yeah, he'll he'll talk about how many pictures we take with our fish or whatever when we catch a fish we're proud of our ducks and stuff. Bro, some of his photo albums, he's got like 30 photos with the same deer, like just in like <laughs> just little like the differences. I'm not hating or anything, but just the poses are a little bit different and then uh he went to college with Rod Haydell. Of yeah. Haydale's game calls, so like he's wearing like three of Rod's different hats that he had just come out with. So it oh, just yeah. all, so you know marketing for his buddies, <laughs> companies and stuff. So I mean, it's where we are today too. It's I mean for sure. It's just you know some everything changes, everything stays the same. But um, yeah, there's there's this one, and it was a big old deer, but he uh, uh, he was really proud of this one deer, and they. They used an entire roll of film on one deer, and my mom was the one taking the photos. She remembered. was he changing his outfit too. Yeah, yeah. Oh yeah. 
That's truly uh, incredible. But uh, uh, he's he a little bit of everything. I mean, I think the most prolific photo for me with him, it's one that's appeared in uh, Haydale's catalog a few times over the years. It's him uh, head to toe in a, a real tree. I think. It was their gray leaf pattern, real tree gray leaf, old, old school and, uh, coveralls one piece. And he's got just a, I call it a bouquet of squirrels in one hand by the tail. I mean, he's holding like 18 squirrels Hell yeah. and then he's got, you know, the Belgian made Browning humpback in the other hand. So, cool. um, but I did, I did grow up hunting and, um, I, it was always a part of my life. Um, and I wouldn't say, you know, a lot of people discover that, uh, discover their passion later in life. Maybe I, if anything, I rediscovered it. Yeah. That's kind of how it is with Joey too. Like Joey, Joey grew up hunting, Yeah, but then kind of went through a period of years in high school and college kind of age where mm-hmm. it wasn't like a super huge part of his life. I mean, he still went out hunting every year. But yeah. it wasn't like his passion necessarily. Yeah. And so, yeah. I mean, that's that's something I hear a lot, I feel like. Well, I think to appreciate something, you have to take a step back from it sometimes. And yeah, as someone who grew up, grew up with every, and very fortunate to have this, but every ample opportunity to be in the outdoors and hunt. Um, I, I'll tell you this, even with, you know, duck hunting growing up, grew up hunting flooded timber off the Red River in southwest Arkansas, um, watched the Duck Commander films, yeah. um, the VHSs, watched okay. yep. other... I didn't realize that flooded timber was not the normal way to duck hunt until I got to college. I love that. <laughs> and like YouTube and other hunters yeah. on YouTube and stuff. And I, I remember watching freshman year some you know early, early YouTube um, videos of people duck hunting and they're out in these fields Swamp and stuff field and I, yeah and i'm like why aren't these guys in the woods that's so <laughs> crazy talking to some guys that i met freshman year from illinois and they're like yeah flooded timber is not a thing anywhere else in the world oh yeah buddy <laughs> and I, and I dude felt, i felt really uh i don't know what the word is but um yeah i, I that was kind of a oh not everybody's afforded that opportunity. Um, so all right, guy. All right. Yeah, yeah. I felt uh, real privileged in that moment. But see, um, it's funny too because I didn't start hunting till I was twenty. Mm. So I've been hunting for ten years, only really ducks. I've deer hunted a couple of times, but not yeah. super seriously. Um, but like for me, <clears throat> my first experiences or like what I even knew of duck hunting, like growing up, like what duck hunting was in my mind, yeah, was on a lake. You know, like I'm from Minnesota, so open everybody here, yeah, yeah, open water, like big water a lot of the time yeah. or, you know, small, small ponds, but you know, a lake, like not, mm-hmm. not a cattle pond, you know what I mean? Yeah. And so when I first started waterfall hunting, I'm like watching videos when I'm 20 of these guys in timber. Yeah. I'm like, what the hell is this? <laughs> like in trees, like where the hell is that possible? Yeah. Because yeah, growing up and seeing it for me timber is not a thing you know and so you don't even like yeah for me it's not associated with it yeah i uh so when i was in college and following the razorbacks all over the country taking photos i hardly ever flew i'd opt to drive at a 96 honda accord 
and I drove oh, that thing God. all over this country. Um, and I, I had was, 92 Honda Accord. Yeah. I just want to throw that out there. Gang, gang. Two-door. <laughs> Two-door coupe. I had the four-door. Oh, uh, you bastard. Still had the four-banger, though. Okay. That yep. thing had to have gotten like 42 miles a gallon. Unbelievable gas mileage. Yeah. And, dude, I bought mine with like 220,000 miles, and it was running perfect. Yeah. I If... I ended up with a Subaru Outback coming out of college that my boss with the athletic department, Walt, sold to me for what he owed on it. And if it wasn't for that, I would still have that Honda Accord. That that car was amazing. But did it die or did you sell it? I sold it. Yeah. Got the Outback. Yeah. Dude, and that's that's same. Like, I bought that Accord yeah. and we drove it for three years. And I sold it for more it. than what I bought that's it for. So did I. Yeah. So yeah. did I, man. <laughs> so funny all right sorry Continue. no you're good uh but i drove all over the country i had this fascination with fishing um and just learning you know fishing in different places and spaces and how people approach it um you know that's that's one commentary i'll give on uh outdoor retailers today versus then um i really enjoyed i really enjoyed uh going and stopping at different Bass Pros, Cabela's, and even some mom and pop shops and seeing regionally just what the differences were and like tackle and bait and that kind of stuff. And uh, nowadays you stop one place to the next and it's all the same. For sure. Yeah. And that, that, so that's one commentary I'll make on that. But anyways, uh, so you didn't realize that timber was not a thing for everybody that's what you were talking about yeah i didn't realize that but in the same spirit of me going around the country fishing when i was in college because i kept all my fishing gear in the car with me i uh coming out of college you know i kind of looked at duck hunting through the same lens and wanted to learn more about duck hunting anywhere and everywhere um did you like grow up was duck hunting a big thing growing up for you or was it more like the deer hunting I'd say a pretty even mix of the deer and duck hunting. I didn't get to go duck hunting. I could go deer hunting in my backyard on the farm growing up. But um, duck hunting, yeah, duck hunting was definitely more of a treat because I'd be with my uncles or my dad or had to go with, you know, adults and stuff. And um, I wasn't always the one making the plans there. Um, I did a few duck hunts with buddies on like farm ponds and stuff. And we, you know, like hop levies or whatever yeah but um i don't know but yeah <laughs> well we, no i know i know now obviously yeah. what you mean but like i i'm not familiar completely with that oh we uh oh my buddy traces uh trace wilson his farm they called it west farms and we would uh we would drag a john boat from pond to pond on that place we'd spend all day doing it we just we knew the ponds that the just trying to shoot were, ducks just trying to shoot ducks and uh, we oh my gosh it, it was like four ponds and we would literally just do the circuit and uh just go walk up to a pond and try to reach out there and pop a duck and then we'd put oh the john boat we'd put the john boat in the water and paddle out there and get, and the get duck. it yeah it's but so good that was a lot of work yeah we were we were young <laughs> yeah that was fun then though oh yeah it was fun it was it yeah was man great. it's funny how that changes as you Trace go on didn't even but... like duck hunting he was just like <laughs> just up there for the ride <laughs> he was just there to oh yeah uh, have fun yeah uh, that's my that's my absolute uh oldest friend but um so you're at tyson man mm-hmm. and like does a light bulb go off for this idea like what really happened with this so i i started spending more time 
um, a few things happened. I, I started spending more time at home, um, which was on the other side of the state for me there in Arkansas. Started okay. spending more time at home. I'd say one big catala- catalyst for that was my uh, sister, um, my sister Katie Ella. She's uh, half my age. Okay. I was uh, 15 going on 16 when she was born. And I realized I was missing out on a lot of her, you know, Childhood. experiences as a young adult. Yeah. Because, I mean, I was, she was four, four years old when I left, moved away for college. Yeah. And I, uh, and, and she's, you know, in recent years been at that age where she's really retaining a lot of memories and um, a lot of those important moments for her, I just... You know, I want to be a part of those memories. I want to. Yeah. I want her to remember Big Brother being there, and I want to be there and experience that and uh, show her how proud I am of her. But I'd spend more, more and more time at home, and it just got me to being real sentimental. And the whole, the whole camo retro thing started as a blog series. So I took like my dad's favorite jacket, my uncle's favorite hat. You know, yeah. I, when I think of Uncle Randy, I think of his uh, brown. McAllister hat, wax canvas, uh, boonie hat that he's been wearing. Some OG shit. Forever. Yeah. yeah. Um, think about my dad's Columbia, Columbia Omnitech jacket. So looking at their, the stories that they have to tell in the outdoors and looking at it through their gear. Cause if I just sat down and, you know, asked for hunting stories, that wouldn't be a very objective conversation. But if I say, Hey, you know, tell me about, this hat like where uncle randy where did you get this hat like you know what what stories does if this hat could talk like what's the stories it would tell me and yeah you know and those stories just for whatever reason were a lot more colorful when told for through sure. the eyes of you know their favorite gear yeah and so i published a short series of blogs i think it was six um that told those stories and where those, did you publish them it was just a wordpress Okay. Um, blog. Yeah, yeah. Um, and so it's like a website essentially. Yeah, just just a a free blog. And I was, I was also kind of working on my writing skills too, because I wanted to, uh, you know, writing. You got to practice it. If if you don't, you start losing it. So, and I I'd felt a need and a pull to to do that. for a while then because I, I hadn't been I'd been writing on behalf of Tyson Foods for five years yeah for sure and I'd gotten away from you know my voice and I needed to find the balance if yeah you know, there if you, you go will. all right and yeah. uh so that and that was a subject that was really easy for me to talk about and I was super passionate about and though but at the end of the day I was writing those stories for me more than anybody else yeah just taking their words and putting them into writing and um looking at them through you know my lens as having you know, shadowed many of these stories, but also the legacy that people like my father and Uncle Randy and Lester Seitz um, have made so far and will continue yeah. to do so. Yeah. Um, so that's where it started. It was a blog series. And people liked the stories okay, but they just were like emailing saying, where can I buy this? Like, because... Because I also wrote it, I, I left this out. I wrote it like a, as a retrospective kind of product review. Okay. So okay. through the lens of yeah, if the Columbia Omnitech jacket had just come out, you know, what's the product review here? After hearing yeah. the testimonial from like my dad, and so uh, cool, and uh, people just 
people and to this day people still think i'm doing reproduction runs of this these original garments which i'm not yeah never have right but um people just wanted to buy the stuff so i took a step back i was like okay um i've all i i've always had a passion for the outdoor industry i've helped build a few brands that some of which are still around just doing like a branding kit for them and stuff and sure can I ask which ones? Uh, K-Zone. Are you familiar with I'm K-Zone? Not. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I am, actually. Out of Arkansas. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so I I, uh, I designed that brand. Okay. I didn't... I wasn't ever involved in it. And there were a few other ones that most of which aren't around, or if they are, they don't really have a following, but... Sure. I, uh, I never really found a foothold that I felt really passionate about. Yeah. Um you know, as far as a brand vision goes or anything. And with Camo Retro, and that was the name of it from the beginning was Camo Retro, okay. even the blog. Yeah. Uh, with Camo Retro, I wanted it to be a storytelling platform yeah. and raising, elevating an awareness and appreciation for heritage goods, gear, um, camo patterns and styles. Were you like a thrifter in high school? Like, was this like something that was natural to you already? No. No, not really. Well, I mean, this, but this, like I said, the stuff that I grew up hunting in was the stuff. Yeah, it was old hunting. Yeah, yeah. It it was my dad's. Yeah. Like I said, just because he'd grown out of something doesn't mean it was getting thrown away or he was getting rid of it. Yeah. And uh, so that, like all the stuff that's in my booth here at Game Fair, that's stuff that I've, for the most part, been around all my life. Yeah. I, I have some familiarity with it. And if it wasn't a, like, you know, brand. Or pattern that my dad had any real affinity for, I I would still take notice, I guess. So if anything, I had an eye for kind of different styles coming in. Also, living in a rural area, you only see what's put in front of you, especially at like the mom and pop store that we had, Townsend Outdoors, in Hope. You're you're only going to see and you know get a look and feel for whatever they have in stock. Yeah, for sure. And that you know when. I mean, I remember when the first Bass Pro was built in Arkansas. Yeah. How big of a deal that That was a big, big deal. Yeah, that's crazy. Um, I remember some of the old timers being upset then because they had to pay sales tax <laughs> because a Bass Pro had been built in Arkansas. Because so before na- yeah. that, they didn't have to pay a Nexus tax or whatever. Yeah. Which Bass Pro was a much smaller business back then. But yeah, that's still. so crazy. <laughs> yeah. Um, Anyways. All right. So, okay. So people are messaging you, like asking where they can buy this stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and I took a step back and was like, okay, I've been coming at this from a storytelling standpoint, elevating an appreciation and awareness for this stuff. Uh, is that my, is that my way to give back to this industry through storytelling? Or is there another aspect or angle to come at this? And I landed on the marketplace concept where yeah. i'm building a marketplace for people to buy and sell this stuff because for every one person that's telling me oh cool story i had 10 telling me or asking me hey where can i buy this stuff okay yep so rebuilt it as a marketplace for people to buy and sell and then added on that's the kind of mission or value of camo retro which is increasing accessibility to gear and initially that was just vintage gear, you know, really, for sure. really finding a place for people to put 
their vintage gear, pull it out of storage, pull it out of closets where it's not being used and put it yeah. out there for a crowd that can, that appreciates it and wants more of it. Um, and that grew and I was picking up stuff. I have a lot of people ask me in the booth too, like, where do you find this stuff? Back then I was sourcing most of it myself. So okay. any free time I had going to garage sales, yard sales, estate sales, and uh, thrift stores looking for what I could find. Yeah. Now, I didn't have a big audience at the time, but every order was getting, every listing was getting sold. I actually had a problem keeping inventory. And yeah, the yeah. number one complaint was I would shop on your site, but nothing's ever in stock. So started working with a company out of Fayetteville called Recollect. And they like source uh, vintage band tees, uh, streetwear urbanwear the sneakers yep that kind of stuff yeah and uh they helped me source a lot of the products i was looking for and to this day still do i'm really thankful for that partnership so how does that work they basically find this camo and then you go get it uh they'll find it bring it into their store and then sell it to me okay and, you know they put whatever makes sense for them on top of it sure it's i mean we've been working together for going on three years now so okay. it's a pretty it's a pretty stable yeah, relationship sure. yeah <laughs> it's uh uh i mean at this point we're 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 friends um goes beyond just business partners right right but um anyway okay, so uh, so you start this you're sourcing most of it and you're getting some of it from this you know recollect, recollect company and yeah. are there other companies like that that you work with now as well, or are they main, mainly it? I wouldn't say companies, but there are like quote unquote thrifters that will sell to me on kind of a wholesale. Um, yeah, like I make a little money, you volume. make a little money type yeah. of thing. Yeah, but they, they, you know, they've, I've got a pretty, if I'm going to buy up just sight unseen a tub of clothes from you, I'm not, I'm not going to be paying, you know, premiums premiums yeah Especially are there people that make unseen. are there people that make their full living legitimately just buying and selling clothes i i think you'd have to have more maybe in some markets yeah like you go out to the west coast and stuff definitely yeah but you've just got such a greater audience and well, I mean, the guys at Recollect, that's what they do. That's how they make their yeah, living. Yeah, yeah. And they're on a different scale. And yeah. they're doing it for like multiple different streams of niche, you know? Mm -hmm. So like sneakers or right. like urban wear. Yeah. yeah. But yeah. Um, yeah. I, I think if you're in the right market and focusing on a niche, I, I think if you know what you're looking for and you, you can connect the product connect with the, the product audience. with you yeah, or yeah consumer. whoever needs to buy it yeah i think that's the big that's the key part that's something that i've been really fortunate to find is that niche audience um, yeah and that storytelling is what got my foot in the door and um through that again elevating that appreciation and awareness and then moving on to like increasing accessibility good to goods and at first that was vintage and then i thought well uh, if the difference for somebody getting into this industry to become a lifetime sportsman or uh, be working in a conservation is getting a jacket new versus secondhand, then giving a platform where somebody can pick up that jacket for a little bit less. And then that is their gateway into the industry. 
even if they just hunt once and then also they have a platform where they can turn around and sell it and so they're not in it for nearly as big of an investment and then the third part after thinking about it more was it's also a reinvestment in the industry because if you have a platform where anybody can sell anything that's outdoor related then you take a cabin or a closet full of stuff they sell it the things that they don't want don't need or don't fit in anymore well, that money inevitably comes back into the industry somehow, some way, whether they're updating yeah, their decoy sure. spread, buying a new call. And I realize I'm just talking about duck hunting stuff, but, you know. Any type of hunting. Right, right. Uh, invest in some new trail cams, that kind of stuff. So yeah, that, for that's, sure. you know, threefold. That's kind of the vision of Camo Retro yeah. today. Okay, so right now, how like what percentage of what's on Camo Retro's like, shop portion mm-hmm. of the website what percentage of that is sourced by you and what percentage is like consignment people, you know, people selling their own stuff? Yeah. It floats between 10 and 15% of the stuff is mine. Oh, wow. Yeah. Yeah. So that's not that much. No. I would have expected it to be higher than that. Mm-hmm. I mean, a year ago, it was closer to 30, 40%. Really? Yeah. That's so crazy to me. Yeah. So it's just been, has it exploded quite a bit this year? Uh, last year's growth was huge, yeah. especially during season yeah. and just kind of been writing that, um, these shows have been good for getting the word out there, yeah. but the, I really, I had to start just like hyper-focusing on getting the message across to people. That's a place where you can also sell, not just buy. Yeah. That makes sense. But you know, okay. as every good American, we just love to buy. Yeah, we do. <laughs> I mean, for me initially, like the thing I loved about Camo Retro is the opportunity to find vintage goods. Yeah. I mean, I, when I, I don't know what it was, maybe, maybe like five years into hunting, you know, you kind of grow like an affection for the heritage of any type of thing that you're super passionate about. I mean, if you, any, anything, I think like anything you're good at, you know, like if you're a great guitar player, you really love playing the guitar. You get super interested in learning about guys like Jimi Hendrix or Stevie Ray Vaughan or whatever, you know, guys that don't play the guitar right now, but we're super well known for it. And so same thing with like camo for me, like obviously I have some, you know, vintage stuff in this office. Like I definitely have an appreciation for the heritage of waterfowl hunting. And so when I, like five years in, I started to really start to like look on eBay and like scour for some specific patterns. And like, there's this one pattern that I got super obsessed with that I could never find, which is cornfield camo, right? Which is definitely up here, at least for sure is so cool. Mm -hmm. And I got really sort of jealous because we went on this hunt. Actually, it's a video that we filmed called Mallard Point Magic, which is a cinematic on our channel on YouTube. Um, And while we were there, we were there with this guy, Darren Lang who Darren is super, he's like the nerdiest bird guy that I've ever met. Like if you, when you go to his house, he's got this incredible property on the uh, border of South Dakota in Minnesota. And it's on a lake and he's got a beautiful cabin that he built. And then he's got this guest house. It's like a, it's not, I don't even know. It's like a cabin, right? Like on his own property and he rents it out and he guides so like he runs guided trips, you can rent the cabin and he'll guide you. And so that's kind of like this whole thing that he does. So while we're there, he's got like, you know, all this old camo. He's got like 150 bird mounts in his house. Like this guy's a maniac, you know, like his whole house is just filled. A museum. 
yeah, his wife was telling us stories about how like he got so obsessed with like ducks, you know, beyond just like being a hunter that they were like raising ducks. Yeah. So they were like raising tons of different ducks like at their house, right? But this guy had so much old camo, dude, and he wore this cornfield camo button down. Okay? And he came into the, the cabin when we were there, and he's wearing this this thing. And it's got like a tear in the left arm, and it's so faded. Like, yeah. incredibly faded. And, uh, you know, he walks in, and Joey's like, that is like the most badass shirt I've ever seen. And Darren was like, do you want it? And Joey's like, yeah, I want it. You know, like, yeah. what do you mean? And he's like, I'll give it to you, man. And Joey's like, "What? why would you give that to me? He's like, dude, I've got like 10 of these. <laughs> and Joey's like, um, okay. And so J- Darren literally takes off the shirt and he's got like just a white the t-shirt on. Under it. Yeah, the yeah. shirt off his back, gives it to Joey. And Joey still wears it all the time. And it's just like the most badass <laughs> button down corn filled camo. So I got obsessed with it. And so when I like heard about camo retro, my initial thought was like, I'm going to find cornfield camo. Yeah. You know? And I don't know, dude, it's just, it is cool. Like you get into that heritage of it. Well, and the beautiful part about it being a C to C platform. So customer to customer platform. Yeah. You make your account yourself for free, list your stuff for free. When somebody buys your stuff, site takes a 14% commission and you send it directly to the customer. I'm done with the sales pitch, but uh, <laughs> that's uh, that's one thing I love about that model is you see anything and everything from anybody anywhere. Yeah, and I mean I've I've discovered patterns on Camo Retro that people have posted that I didn't know about before. Yeah, or I was at least enlightened enough to look into it more. Um, maybe I saw a different run of a pattern that I hadn't seen previously, or um there was one shirt that popped up that mentioned Eagle Lake, Texas. And I didn't know about Eagle Lake, Texas. It's actually not that far from where I grew up, but yeah, back in the seventies and eighties, it was the place to be for duck hunting. Okay. Um, in the central flyway and that, uh, yeah. So just the things that you're exposed to, especially being up here at game fair, I have a lot of Southern brands with me and people are coming through seeing these Southern brands for the first time in their life. Yeah. Even people who are lifetime hunters and they're like, I've never seen this. Well, probably because it was never sold out of like the Georgia, Mississippi, Alabama market, right? What are some like Southern brands that people here don't know? Well, they probably know them, but you know, uh, the uh, quintessential Southern brand is like Mossy Oak and Realtree, right? I mean, those are the major ones. They're both born out of the South. Uh, You get into like McAllister, which is an Arkansas. Yeah based brand the first run of McAllister products were actually made and manufactured in uh, a town really near where I grew up Hope Arkansas okay and so that's one brand that's really near and dear for me Um, and one that I've got a lifetime of stories about because that stuff was manufactured starting in 94 I believe who bought McAllister Drake okay Drake yeah Um, yeah and there's so they're actually coming out with a fall line for the first time in quite some time crazy i think since 2014 yeah that's wild releasing a line this year uh McAllister? drake under McAllister name or under drake name yes so drake still owns McAllister. yeah but like it'll be McAllister on the label mm-hmm. yep. yeah that's crazy yeah so drake uh drake sold last year to a holding company okay um but uh yeah some other so 
really when you get down to brands you got to say like the uh more so the patterns so like sure sure unique yeah was a camouflage in the south that um you've probably never heard of. no i've never heard of it dude <laughs> um uh natural gear yeah that's, i know nike so obviously. that's out of arkansas yeah um sometimes you find people up north that aren't familiar yeah with nat gear um dude the, the best thing nat timber gear, ghost the best thing nat gear that i ever like always think of when i see nat gear um joey's dad kind of grew up well joey grew up i guess kind of hunting um with his dad his dad hunted with tim ground some mm-hmm. and dude tim at one point had made all these bibles okay and he would just give away bibles you know and he made thousands of these bibles that have on the front it says like tim ground's champion goose call <laughs> calling or something like that and it's in that gear were those like his business cards <laughs> dude he was literally giving these things out at like shows is from what i understand like yeah just giving them away and it was literally like yeah joey so in joey's cabin yeah in south dakota there's a fucking nat gear bible downstairs <laughs> next to one of the beds and it's like got tim ground's goose calling you know or whatever on it Tim Ground's championship yeah. goose calls like inscribed on the front, and then I think it says Bible like on the front, and it's like a nat full nat gear Bible. Is it autographed in the cover? I don't know if it is, man. Maybe it probably is. Like knowing the legend of Tim, yeah. you know, like dude, I was looking at. Uh, you want me to sign your Bible for you? Holy shit! I was looking at pictures, uh, uh, pictures of Tim. I think on the, like the grounds Instagram, uh-huh. and there's like pictures of Tim with Hunter. When he's like just a kid. Yeah. And dude, Tim made himself a fucking club jacket that says world champion goose collar on it. I love so it. So like after he won world champions yeah. and it was like one of those ones that. Uh, he made himself his own green he jacket. He made himself his own green jacket. Yeah. Like legitimately. <laughs> and dude, this jacket was one of those ones. Do you know what I'm talking about? Like by those, it's like a bomber jacket, right? Which are like really popular right yeah. now. Yeah. Like the nylon and heavy cuffs. Yeah, and bro. Heavy, oh, yeah. heavy collar. Yeah, yeah, yeah I know and exactly like, what you're talking about. And it was like the one that's shiny. Uh-huh. Like black shiny oh, yeah. with like gold on it. And yeah. it was like inscribed on the chest like... That's awesome. World champion goose collar, <laughs> you know. And then on the other side, it said like... It inscribed his name. Yeah. So it was Tim Grounds on the on the left chest and world champion goose well, collar like on the right old, chest. those uh, were like old baseball warm-up jackets. <laughs> yeah, man. That's exactly... Yeah, like, yeah, like a warm-up jacket. Where the comes from. Dude, yeah. and then like on the back, he had a massive Tim Grounds championship goose calls. Just like... All embroidery? The, oh, yeah. All oh. embroidery. Just fucking massive... I would love to just see that jacket right yeah. now. You know? It's just incredible. Like, yeah, but the guy in general was just a fucking rock star, like a character, man. But yeah, I love any piece that has a story to tell. And yeah. I mean, that one tells its own story. Oh, my stories, God, that but... would be a crazy camo retro sale someday. Oh, that'd be a wall hanger. Oh, yeah. And I've got you stuff. Can't even sell it. I've got stuff. Um, I've been telling you about the new showroom that's going to be coming to Fayetteville, yeah. Arkansas. Yeah, but, dude. Um, I've got pieces that I have not, nor will I ever sell because I want them to be on a wall and appreciated by somebody. I mean, so many of these old pieces are functional and have and will stand the test of time. But some things you just have to take a step back and hang them on the wall yeah. and let them tell their stories. And that's, you know, that's, 
that's that jacket or that hat's place. Oh yeah, man. Um, in the industry. That's kind of crazy. So what's your vision like for Camo Retro at this point? Did you, you're, you're full time Camo Retro. Mm-hmm. Yeah. When I'm not duck hunting. Yeah. <laughs> but like you're not working at Tyson. Not working at Tyson. So did you start all this while you were still working there? Oh yeah. Yeah. yeah so yeah, you were yeah. still working there. You were starting this whole thing. It was like a side hustle. Yeah. And then it got to a certain point where you could do it full time. Yeah. And I will say for any like um, aspiring entrepreneur out there, my overhead was and still is pretty low. Yeah. And you you do have to manage that side of it pretty closely. Yeah. Um, I've built it from the ground up to scale, which I've seen how that works and doesn't work for, especially if you're looking at it through the lens of web and digital strategies. I, I learned a lot of that at Tyson. Yeah. Both the good and the bad. Um, but uh, kept overhead really, really low from the beginning. I mean, my website all in, it was Camo Retro was costing me about $70 a month to run. Yeah, that's crazy. And I've grown past that now, but yeah, I've also scaled with it. Yeah. And um, I did have uh, some rental properties um, that I was also running coming out of Tyson. So that helped me, you know, uh, pad my earnings and stuff. And yeah. I still have the family farm that uh, I do go home and work on, especially around hunting season and stuff, because that's where most of that deer and duck hunting land is. Right. And so, uh, you know, I'm a little, and it's important to have diversified income too. And um, I have other revenue streams, but this is the one that I'm building and yeah, will yeah. continue to do so. And I've got some other plans too for some other um, endeavors, but this is one I'm passionate about. And this, it's a really cool feeling with anything, but especially um, as a small business owner, when you, as much energy as you put into something, you're then rewarded that back, yeah. whether it's monetary, whether it's just fulfillment. Um, it's a really good feeling when you can put as much effort as you want into something and somehow some way you feel that reciprocated through your efforts. Yeah. That's crazy. Yeah. That's cool, man. So what's the vision for camo retro like from here? Uh, from here, uh, keep, doing what we're doing um again you have those an three app points. coming out i do have an app coming out yeah that's right. uh yeah we're just now we're just not touching on that but uh yeah that's coming out in the coming weeks it's been it's been a slow roll um had some you know road bumps but what doesn't Dude, and I i'm know. not i'm not gonna release a product that is anything less than great yeah. so you know any any time that's spent waiting on waiting on more you're i mean it's it's all for the right reasons yeah um relaunching our consignment program so everybody well not everybody a lot of people assume that you send your stuff to us and then we list it for you everything on the site comes through us that's not true um hasn't been for some time but uh in the very early stages i did do a consignment program where you send me your stuff and then i sell i list it sell it and ship it for you with the commercial space that's coming we are restarting that program yeah okay so you will be able to send your stuff to us in Fayetteville and then we list it yep sell it basically take care of getting it it out you know getting it out the door exactly and um so that's something we're restarting yeah basically because I have the space to manage it and take care of your stuff because yeah. uh 
And then with something else I'm really excited about with that and the regular commission-based sales is we can earmark X percent of your sales towards con- conservation. Okay, that's cool. So as a regular user on the site through the app, you'll be able to say, hey, I want of your 86% of your sale that you're getting yeah, because the site takes 14%. Yep. You can mark five to eighty six percent of that to go towards Ducks Unlimited or yeah. um, working with Mossy Oak on a new program that they're getting off the ground in the conservation uh, side of things. Side of things, yeah. And then uh, same on the consignment side. And the consignment side is really cool too because someone might have the patriarch of their family, for example, has this massive collection, and it's stuff that their entire life revolved around for a whole generation and they don't want to just get rid of it and have it go to nameless people yeah. wherever um, donating. So by sending it to camera retro and earmarking, you know, however much of that towards yeah. conservation, right? they're then getting it, that stuff to an audience that, that appreciates it. Yeah. And that legacy will live on through their garments or whatever it is. Um, yeah whatever goods that they're selling so cool man and then also through the donation that's made to conservation yeah so that's what i'm you know you say what's the future i i'd you know i think i'm talking about what i'm excited about yeah and when you make those connections just like i have with finding kind of my place in the industry because i had options before but i never took any of those steps sure because it never felt right i never felt like it was something that i could truly speak to and have a voice about um, and there's nothing wrong with obviously building out a platform around being passionate for duck hunting. I mean, that's what Midwest Flyways does. For and sure. do a phenomenal job of that and creating the content. I just don't feel like that's my strength. Sure. So coming at it from a storytelling aspect of heritage and legacy has just resonated a lot more with me. Yeah. And um, I'm just... And if I can do that and also grow this industry in a positive way, that's what I'm really excited about. Yeah. I mean, it's very interesting, you know, to think about it from that perspective. And I would say kind of as like a piece of advice and we're both young. So like a lot of guys have a lot more, you know, maybe thought on this, but if you want to get into the waterfall industry or like the hunting industry in general, I kind of feel like you have to really have like a reason for what you're doing, you know? And I think... So like for us, when we first started Midwest Flyways, the very first thing we did before we started and did anything else was we basically, we wrote a why, which is a very basic part of most people starting a business. Mm-hmm. Um, and, if you, and if you don't have a why that is greater than your own fulfillment, then I think you're kind of off in putting yourself in a pretty tough spot probably for like getting things going and maybe not necessarily, but like even now with Midwest Flyways, one thing that is, I think, to us a huge, you know, I don't know if it's like a concern or a reality, is I feel like there's still a lot of like player hating going on. You know, there's still a lot of player hating going on in waterfowl. Yeah. You know, where like people are hating on other waterfowl hunters for whatever the hell it is, the gun that they shoot or who mm-hmm. they're sponsored by or the way they make videos, the way they hunt, whatever it is, right? And so like our whole thing was and still is to like bridge that gap between all different types of people and make people realize from the industry side that like we're all in it to like grow the sport while passionate yeah. about the same thing. And from the like consumer side or like the viewer side 
that you can do this and like there are people like us out there that like we're gonna have your back you know like Mm -hmm. don't be scared to go try it and get into it and feel like you're gonna get made fun of because you didn't shoot a limit of this or that or whatever it is um because that is daunting dude like when you like go into it if you don't have like people that are telling you that it's okay that you hunted 10 days in a row and didn't shoot a single thing Mm -hmm. and then you get just torched on the internet for it like it can turn you off to it pretty quick Oh, absolutely. And so that that's what, that was like our whole mission. And everything I hear you talking about with Camel Retro is like solving a problem. Mm-hmm. You know, you're solving a problem and you're bridging a gap and you're making connections and you're trying to have a positive impact at the end of all that on waterfowl and hunting. So if you're like young looking to get into the industry, you have to have a purpose that is bigger than just like, I yeah. want to know all these people and go to these things and be invited to this and that. Yeah. You know? Well, like I was telling, uh, talking about with the blogs in the beginning, those were probably for me more than anybody else. Yeah. And so those were very centered around me and my experiences. Um, cider getting to me. <laughs> <laughs> but those, uh, those experiences obviously resonated with uh, somebody else and drove that demand or drove somebody to the point of asking, you know, where they could buy a jacket like the one that I wrote about in my story. And like you said, you know, it has to appeal to a broader audience. Audience, yeah. And that's kind of, I guess that was, I just kind of clued in on, hey, I think what I'm talking about here is way bigger than me. Yeah. And it's bigger than my stories, obviously. And um, slowly but surely, Camera Retro is coming back to that storytelling aspect. Yeah. But not just Logan Webster's stories and the stories that his mentors have to tell, but everybody's stories. And it doesn't matter you know what and you and i were talking about this earlier but it shouldn't matter what affinity you have for what pattern or what brand or what style what of type hunting. of hunting yeah, yeah exactly it shouldn't discount your story like yeah you have a story to tell and you need a platform to tell it and if that's camo retro uh through the lens of a marketplace or wherever i really want to i really pride myself on my cross-pollinating with other brands online yeah and uh, yeah, that's definitely something I want to grow. And you, you talked about the polarization between people in the sport because of what shotgun you have preference for or and that camo kind of you stuff. wear. Yeah. That's, and that's something also that inspired me with those original run of blogs. Now that you say that, I'm sure you can find other podcasts where I've talked about this. That is something when I went to college, not only did I discover that the rest of the world wasn't hunting flooded timber, but I also yeah. discovered all these other brands that uh, I had been unfamiliar with or just wasn't exposed to yet. Sure. And uh, also some of the personalities behind those brands. For sure, man. <laughs> um, and uh, I I saw that polarization and it reminded me of growing up in my small town and um, everybody had trucks. and there, oh, yeah. But there were all the clicks with the trucks, right? And you'd have the Chevy guys that hated the Ford guys. Oh, yeah. And then you had the Honda Accord guys that were just fucking balling. <laughs> they were baby. just flying under the radar. Hey, right? dude, you didn't see me? <laughs> yeah, I was in a Honda Accord. So, uh, but yeah, it's it's wild that you'll have uh, sports is another good example. Uh, let's take the 
Packers and the Vikings, right, right? man. Oh my god, each other's throats. Unbelievable. These are two people though who love football. football. Oh yeah, <laughs> yeah. Or like, dude, I think about so much too. Like Joey played soccer. Uh huh. You know, I was a football player, and so like the guys that would be like soccer's for pussies or whatever, yeah. you know, yeah. and. Yeah, I mean, to me, like, I'm a football player that I, my first job was at a soccer store. Yeah. You know? And so I'm <laughs> like, yeah, but you guys both love competitive sports, right. like, to your core. Right. You know? And yeah, so it's yeah, so you funny. put those two guys in any other room. Oh, yeah. And they're going to be best buds. But just yeah. the fact that they have a preference over one part and be yep. that the camouflage that you wear, the, the team you, you, you support, can have the, so whatever. You can have two guys running the same boat. Oh yeah, and they just have a different outboard on the two. Hundred percent. Yeah, <laughs> They'll yeah, just yeah. argue for the rest of their lives no, no, about yeah, which I've one's been better. Running, I've been running this for twenty years. Yeah. Uh, and you know, it's uh, brand loyalty is important, and I definitely have the brands that I'm loyal to in yeah. certain aspects. But uh, I don't think somebody's story should be discounted just for based sure. off of that brand because that brand might be very deep rooted in their heritage. 100%. I mean, they might be. Um the third generation in their family that's been wearing a certain type of camouflage. That's and so crazy. You can't take that away from them. And I'm going to tell you this. <laughs> I don't think you'll find that much up here with the, just like the third generation of wearing, like being loyal to Mossy Oak. Like you're not going to like walk oh, into no. Minnesota and have, but like down South, that's a thing. Yeah. It certainly is down South. Yeah. It's that, so crazy. That's one difference I've noted up here. This is the most Northern show I've done. Yeah. I mean, are there any more shows northern? I don't. Are there any shows know, more man. northern than this? I don't know. There's definitely some. Yeah, I'm sure. Yeah, there's some other Minnesota shows. Not like maybe as big as not big as Game Fair. Yeah, Game Fair is probably like the biggest northern show I would think, or close to. So when I started, there was a huge appetite for the old school camo. Yeah, and I'm learning now that it was just more for the camo, not necessarily. It was for that pattern. But that old school pattern, and when I say old school, it's the pattern that everybody's thinking of. Frog camo, call it whatever you want to. Um, that kind of splotchy look. Yep. And at the time, that would have been 2019. People just wanted to see that pattern on anything. Yeah. It didn't matter what. And there was a real strong appetite. Well, now a lot of more modern brands are coming out with their yeah, take yeah, on old, old school, school. pattern. Drake did it in like 2016. They were, they were a little um, premature on yeah, releasing for that. sure. Yep. But you know, it's just trends. Uh, you'll yep. have that. Yep. Um. So now that more brands have printed that old school pattern, I see more of a. I've seen more of a demand for the original mossy oaks, the kind of obscure yeah. patterns, the yeah. original McAllister line, that kind of stuff, and. Um, not until being up here at Game Fair did I see people requesting more of that old school pattern again. But not just on any material. It was they wanted the original stuff. Yeah. And that was that was honestly good to see. Um but yeah, definitely no not nearly the affinity for um uh mossy oak. A lot of people call it being uh intoxi- intoxicated because toxy haze. <laughs> Yeah, that's a bad joke. <laughs> He's like, I didn't write it. So. I did, yeah, it was told to me, and I it's was unbelievable. <laughs> <laughs> unbelievable, I love uh, it. But yeah, not nearly. You don't, you don't see nearly that following, and a lot of solid. You know, a lot of guys that are just hunting in Carhartt and stuff. 
Oh yeah, dude. Yeah, we're like big proponents of solid stuff too. Yeah. I mean, I love wearing solid gear. Um, yeah. I mean, I think too. I mean, so Joey's been talking about this video he wants to do for years, where he's wearing he wants to wear like blaze Flannel. orange or pink. Yeah. And like go and kill birds. And the reality is, I mean, if you're most situations, you damn near don't need camouflage. Mm-hmm. I mean, for duck hunting, you should be in a concealed situation. You know, you're either in a blind in a boat or you're yeah in a layup blind or pit blind or whatever it is. If you're standing in the reeds, you obviously need camouflage. Yeah. You know, or I think it's highly encouraged, you yeah. know. Um, but yeah, it's it's definitely an interesting thing, man. So your goal really though is like that connection and like being being able to give back and like be a part of that community and push it forward. Oh yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Uh, you know, whether you're rediscovering a pattern. So I've had people come through the booth before that um, just well up in tears because they saw a jacket just like the one that their mentor had. And yeah. that jacket, you know, when that person passed away, who knows what happened to that jacket. But yeah, it's uh, it's really cool to see a jacket bring back memories and nostalgia for somebody. And uh, then also for somebody who wasn't as, uh, I'll say, blessed as I was to grow up around the stories that this gear has to tell yeah, for sure. And they come into my booth and they start asking questions, you know, whether they're younger or older than me, they start asking questions about a pattern that caught their eye that they've yeah. never seen before. Yeah. And I'm able to either pass along the stories that somebody else that's come through my booth has told me about that pattern or tell them stories from my youth and my experience with that camouflage pattern. And, uh, yeah, that's a success for the for camo retro as well. Yeah, just helping that pattern, that legacy, that heritage live on through uh, through that experience for that customer. Yeah, man. Or even if they're not a customer, they still you know they they'll type it out on their phone, and I'm not naive. They might very well go pick up a full set of it on eBay. Um, but yeah, hey, it's uh, that's a, that's a win for sure. Yeah, if somebody's hunting. And understands more about the tradition and heritage of it mm-hmm. because they saw something you had. That's cool. Yeah. Get some asking questions. And I've, I've had people too say, well, what happens when all these other brands come out with, you know, retro patterns or styles yeah, right, and that right. kind of stuff? And like, bring it on. Again, looking at the car industry, when Ford re-released the Bronco in recent years, what happened to all the old vintage Broncos? Skyrocketed. Skyrocketed. And not necessarily looking at it through a... Uh, financial gain yeah for sure but you're like that's not a problem for me but it increased the appreciation for what was already out there yeah and what's been out there for years for and sure. so if you look at a brand that brings back a you know proverbial old school pattern right uh if anything it gets just gets people talking about it and discovering more and asking questions that they didn't even know to ask before because they'll say oh and i've seen i've literally seen this conversation play out where somebody goes, oh, do you see the new pattern from whomever? And they're like, that pattern's not new. That pattern, my dad wore that pattern back in the day. And yeah. then it's like, no way. And then they start for sure figuring out that, yes, there was in fact a time in a relatively young industry because, I mean, the first uh, timber camo pattern was Cromley's pattern in 1980. And so, I mean, it's not terribly old. And also most of the people who developed the camouflage that you love today are alive and well. 
Yeah. And it's not like, it's not, not like, yeah, this isn't like hundreds and hundreds of years yeah. ago. No, there is a generation that's, you know, disappearing and their stories need to be told. And I think the generate, I think that first generation of, uh, hunters that, you know, focus their business model around camouflage. You look at the monster buck series, you look at Mossy Oaks VHSs from back in the day and they did a really good job with storytelling. Yeah. And that's awesome. But, uh, and then we live in a content heavy society today as well. Yep. But, uh, yeah, I just think it's really important to capture the stories. What's the craziest, what's the craziest piece you've seen at Camaracho so far? Uh, give me, or give me a couple of your favorites. Uh, I've got a shell vest that somebody gave me and I can't, the brand starts with an M it's from the shell vest is from 1907 though and it's uh holy shit maltese i think is the name of the brand but no they, idea. they were a carpet company in upstate new york that um also made a line of uh sporting vests yeah sporting vests and it's like it's like canvas and then hemmed with denim and it's got just a handmade one of the uh clips broke at one point and it's just a piece of looks like barbed wire cable that somebody took to just fashion a holder but that one's unbelievable yeah it's from 1907 though that's crazy and so did did you research did you buy it and just keep it for you somebody gave it to me wow yeah it was a gift from when i was starting out um and but that was something that you know i did the research on and it's got a little bit of rot in it okay um and uh they didn't know where it came from the person who gave it to me, yeah, it was they knew it was old, and they yeah. were right. Uh, other, I'm 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 a big sucker for the old marketing pieces. Okay, and I've had two sweaters come through the site that were from the uh, world's championship duck calling contest in Stuttgart. Yeah. yeah, and so I had a 1989 and I think a 1990 come through. Um, Jonathan Bradshaw, sporting dog vet there in Benton. I think his office is in Benton, Arkansas. He bought the 1991 and then Josh Raggio has the 1989 one. Yeah, that's so cool. But just the, I mean, just the, one of them's like a teal color and the other one's uh, like burgundy and just the designs on them, which, you know, coming from a background in marketing and advertising through my schooling and job. Previous job, yeah. Yeah, I, I just I have a real appreciation for the marketing stuff too, as it relates to the outdoor world. So those were cool. Um, those Hawaiian hats are pretty sick. The Hawaiian hats are awesome. So if you ever see a Hawaiian Ducks Unlimited hat, it probably yeah. came from the national convention that they have in Hawaii. Yeah. Every year, I was really proud of myself at Ducks this year, Ducks Unlimited Expo down in Fort Worth. I'd gotten twelve of those hats. Yeah. Every every show I do like that, that's like a tent pole show, uh, national, you know, organization hosting it. Yep. I try to pick up like one set that, of something that I'm really proud of and like focus on that. Yeah. And that's my storytelling piece. And for that show, I had 12 of those hats. Yeah. And I put them all up at the front. I was really proud of it. Um, we get it set up for the show. And... I go like use the restroom or something, come back to the booth and all the hats are gone. And, uh, one of the 
people I had work in my booth. I said, hey, what happened to all the hats? And he said, oh, one of the volunteers for DU bought all of them. And oh my god! Like all of all twelve of them because they weren't priced. They were priced not to sell. I'll say <laughs> because I wanted I wanted them there in the booth for yeah, people to look yeah, at yeah, yeah. and appreciate. And sure, I I realized that one out of every X people you know might would have the appreciation enough to buy one of them. Yeah, but yeah, the first person to come through the booth the entire weekend bought every single one of them it was unreal for their lake house they wanted to hang them up above the back window which would be pretty cool yeah i'm glad that they're getting put to a good use but i saw you had a couple more though right i have two you have two yeah yeah fair okay yeah and uh it's like a whole new world for me now that i've got this showroom to fill yeah yeah (laughs) for sure um i'm really eager to get back to arkansas and start filling that and that space up and uh, then I've got the consignment stuff coming in as well. Yeah. So I'm I'm about to start thinking about things through a whole new lens. That's kind of crazy, man. Really excited about that. Well, dude, thank you so much for coming on. I really appreciate it. I always think it's so interesting to hear like people's backgrounds, and I know that that you sort of get that like, oh yeah, well I've heard every pot, you know, every podcast. Yeah, yeah. where are you from? What'd you do? I, and like my whole thing with this is, you know there's two different people right that are into waterfall there's like people that like their whole life revolves around it and then there's people like you know i don't want to you know say it's you but like people like me for sure that it's a huge part of my life it's something that i love but it's not like you know the only thing that i'm passionate about yeah and so like hearing people's like kind of other like background into it Mm -hmm. and like how it makes sense for them in their life is so interesting to me well, it's uh, what led us to it or what uh, what led us back to it. Yeah, for sure. And for me, I mean, I've always, I, I think I've only ever missed one duck season. And that's when I was in just the peak of college and figuring out what the next chapter of my life looked like. Yeah. And not, I was taking every chance and opportunity to help figure out my future. For sure. And uh, that would have been like 2014. Yeah. And I think that's the only, literally the only year since I killed my first duck that I didn't go duck hunting. How old, how old were you when you first went duck hunting? Six. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Crazy. Uh, uh, 20 gauge H&R breakover. Hell yeah. Yeah. <laughs> got my first, got my first green head. So sick. Um, in the timber. In the timber. Oh yeah. Yeah. yeah oh, it yeah. put me, that, that gun put me. Oh no! Because I think up to that point I'd only shot BB guns, so yeah. yeah, I think everybody got a good laugh out of that gun throwing me back in my seat. Oh yeah, but um, yeah, whether you know, and I say too with camera retro, whether you have a newfound or long-standing passion for the outdoors and whatever the outdoors means to you, then I want it to be a place where you can share your story, whether it's through your gear or whatever that may be. Yeah. Um, but yeah, we're we're people, and we go down paths in lives, and uh, we find our way. I, you know, outside of duck outside hunting, of everything, yeah, yeah, all uh, different facets of it. But all right, man. So people can find Logan's company at Camo Retro on Instagram, and where else? 
CamoRetro.com. CamoRetro.com. Yeah. We'll be, we'll be shifting the, the uh, marketplace to the app at some point. Yeah. That's going to be a seamless, I won't get too far into it, but that's a seamless migration. So anything you do on the website today, yeah, we'll move over. We'll move over to the yeah. app. You don't have to do anything. Um, you might have to accept new terms of service or something. But Well, thank you so much for coming on, man. Uh, like always, guys, make sure to like, review, check out uh, all of our other stuff on our other channels. We'll see you guys soon.